welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jens Nelson. And my name is Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Dude, can you believe we have reached the very end of October? It is, it is almost November of 2021. First of all, my mind is blown. It still feels like it should be 2020 or something. I'm not quite sure that I've wrapped my head around this pandemic and all the things that have transpired. Uh, but we've reached the end of October. Uh, that means it's the end of heresy month. A uh, little, little uh, teaser for you. This is not the last episode of October. Uh, hint, hint. Uh, but it is the final episode of heresy month, uh, I guess, in particular. So... Uh, if you were here on Tuesday, you know that we sort of did a theology, or I should say heresy in review episode. We sort of touched on a, a number of topics that have come up throughout this month. We answered some questions that also sort of came up in conversation. Um, so there wasn't like a particular heresy that we talked about. And so there isn't a particular heretic associated with a given heresy. So Lucas reached into the grab bag of church history and chose the most obscure, uh, the most random one that he could find. And I'm being a little facetious because we, in fact, are talking about somebody who is relatively well known. So Lucas, why don't you take it away? I, uh, yeah, I had to double check if I thought we talked about him. I mean, we probably talked about him last year, but I thought we did an episode like a Friday episode last October. So I, I, was pleasantly surprised that we didn't because this is kind of like we've talked about like Arius kind of being like the arch heretic right the heretic of heretics going you know the fundamental trinitarian heretic that that kicks off you know the whole just battle between orthodoxy and heresy but it in at least for maybe some christians at least maybe for for certain reformed protestant type christians um michael servetus is probably uh high up there if Very not high. at the top of of the list of, that's for of sure. sort of who comes to mind when we're talking about you know an arch heretic a heretic of heretics and it's kind of funny like i don't like i don't think this is necessarily true but at least in i know this is true in my own mind and it seems to be the case in in how he's he tends to be remembered by people as sort of this guy who basically believed all the heresies at the same time. Um, and while that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, it is true that, that he really is his, his, his writings, his career, sort of everything that he was about, at least from what we have uh, historically, he, it really is characterized by this, this, just I, I don't I don't know if we'd want to say like obstinate or tenacious or stubborn heresy and uh, you know hopefully we'll we'll see a little bit of that shortly so Michael Servetus uh, his name is is actually Miguel Servet he was born in Spain in around 1509 1511 somewhere around there um, and he ended up uh, dying as we'll see shortly <laughs> in he was, it's interesting, he, he's sort of remembered as a theologian, but also a, a physician. He's actually, um, 
one of the more kind of uh, interesting, uh, like, tidbits or, I guess, fun fact about his um, life, I guess we'd say, or, or his knowledge, is uh, he actually <laughs> was the, f- the one of the first people in history to describe pulmonary, like, the pulmonary circulation of blood. Um, and this, like, he just mentions it almost in passing in a theology book but so so he was he was not you know he was not a fool in the sense of he was not uneducated he was not stupid right uh he was maybe a fool for other reasons as you know like we guess you know i'll leave that for you to judge (laughs) um but so he's studying law in in france in as you know in the 1520s early 1530s and he during this time, he starts kind of on his own diving into the study of theology and um, especially the Trinity. And he basically has, he kind of like a lot of people in history that, that I'm not going to say this is a bad idea. However, maybe we can, I don't know, I don't want to push this too far, but uh, he basically just started reading the Bible on his own. And just kind of coming to his own conclusions about uh, what the Bible said, or, or maybe we should say what he thought the Bible said, right? And that led to conclusions and interpretations that would obviously not be very popular <laughs> amongst uh, the church of the day, or, you know, the church of today either. Um, but in 1531, he published a book called The Errors of the Trinity, which is basically just uh, it laying out his his belief that um, belief in the Trinity is 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 wrong it's evil it's um, a deception of the devil <laughs> or the the gods you know he he, he thought that it was um, tritheism and and he described it as the the, the gods of Trinitarianism as a, as a three-headed monster um, and you know immediately this is not well received by the Protestants at this point, the Reformation is is in full swing, or the Roman Catholics, as everyone agreed on the Trinity at least, with all their disagreements, um, except for Servetus. So um, it, the the book was banned, and uh, it you know didn't didn't really go well for him. So he kind of he moves he he moves back to France. He takes the name um, a different last name. Uh, Villeneuve, I don't know, Villeneuve, Neuve, I don't know how to speak French. Um, and he continued to study and studied quite widely, math, geography, astrology, medicine. Um, and this is kind of, this is when he, he, as he's studying medicine, he's describing this pulmonary circulation of blood. Um, but he, <laughs> he continued to make enemies because of his, you know, stubbornness and also his, you know, I, I don't know how big a role his religious and theological opinions played in, in at this point. I would have to imagine after writing a book that the emperor bans, he's probably trying to keep things on the down low as much as he can. But, um, you know, hanging out with friends at the, at the at the pub or whatever, I don't I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine that nobody knew about this. But what's what's really interesting is in 1540 is sort of. To, to the end of his life is the is kind of the most um, maybe famous or exciting or dramatic uh, 
period of his life, at least it's how it's remembered, because he started corresponding with John Calvin, like directly there are letters between them. Um, and he, he was, he was engaging in, in, the, you know, asking him theological questions. And, and I mean, it kind of is, it's kind of cool to think about like these people who we read about in history, like getting to just like send John Calvin a letter, like ask him, Hey, what's up with this? Or what do you think about that? Um, but you know, he, uh, is, Michael Servetus, so he he's he's very critical. He's very aggressive in denouncing the Trinity. <laughs> um, he also seems to have some kind of apocalyptic kind of prophetic belief of, in himself uh, that he is Michael, like the Archangel from Revelation and in, in the Book of Daniel, um, fighting against the Antichrist, uh, who who is is um, funny enough uh, the Pope, which a lot of the reformers believe but also john calvin <laughs> was an antichrist for him um and uh in 15 so so this kind of continued um I, it's funny i my, i was first introduced to michael servetus uh in high school actually i for the, one of my summer reading assignments for uh, a european history class i took was this book that i wish i could remember the name because i'd love to go back to it now like all these years later um, and knowing a lot more about the Reformation and 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 the people involved, like, but I, this book was was basically like a, a sort of historical account, but written more kind of like almost like a like written kind of with a dramatic flair, um, f- like a, an account of Servetus and Calvin's like conflict and kind of playing up their like rivalry as Servetus is like running around Europe hiding because he's nobody likes him and he's you know publishing heretical books and all that kind of stuff um I, I and I remember John Calvin was not uh very positively portrayed uh by the author which you know is not unique and also as we'll see there's you know lots of people criticize Calvin for his handling of Michael Servetus. But in 1553, um, he publishes another book. Um, this one's called The Restitution of Christianity. And basically, this is sort of his, I, I, I guess we might call this like the closest thing to a systematic sort of uh, presentation of, of what Servetus's idea of Christianity is. He, you know, he continues denying the Trinity. <laughs> um, and he he also like goes after the incarnation and goes after Christology. He says Jesus was the son of the eternal God, but he was not the eternal son of God. If that makes sense. Um, he, he teaches both faith and works are necessary for salvation. So he's pretty much just doing like, I think, I think this is sort of maybe where the idea comes from that. He just kind of checks all the boxes of, of anything that you can think of that would make somebody mad as far as a theological opinion. Um, but this was published anonymously, but eventually, um, like it was discovered who (laughs) wrote the restitution of, of Christianity. And, um, he was eventually arrested for heresy, but he was able to escape. But for some like very bizarre reason that, that I don't know that there's really any, like, um, any, any, 
Like, I don't, I don't think the reason for this is known. But he goes to Geneva, and he goes to church <laughs> while Calvin is preaching, and he's, like, immediately arrested there. Um, and it, it, you know, there's lots of, of um, differing opinions, or, or maybe not so many differing opinions over sort of what happens, but basically... He to make a to make a, a longer story short, he's eventually, as he's accused of heresy, he refuses to recant and he is burned at the stake in Geneva under under John while John Calvin is there doing his reform and everything. So, um, the re, one of the reasons that Servetus is so well known is not just that he was sort of this outlandishly heretical dude, which is kind of true, but he's also. Rem- remembered by a lot of people because of the fact that he has this person like like personal correspondence and clash with john calvin that eventually culminates in you know as you know if people are not maybe so friendly towards john calvin they might say that the culmination is john calvin kills servetus if people are maybe more friendly they might say you know he's tried and executed for heresy in geneva I mean, and he was already arrested for heresy by the Roman Catholic authorities. Like, he was, like, the way that he conducted himself and and stuck to his guns and <laughs> continued to deny the Trinity very publicly <laughs> in a society where that was a capital offense. Um, it's not a surprise that he was eventually, you know, eventually died by being burned at the stake. Um, and it's a little bit above my pay grade to say whether or not John Calvin was in the right or in the wrong. But what is true is that Michael Servetus was a, was a very, uh, you know, capable, intelligent, and uh, uh, stubbornly, sternly, completely, thoroughly convinced heretic. And he kind of does stand out, uh, Maybe part of it is is due to a bit of legend, but I think he does really stand out amongst a lot of heretics as a character, and especially during the Reformation, I think he's he's quite a character. The way that he he has sort of come down to us in in history and the way he's remembered, but that's sort of the gist. Um, his book, Restitution of Christianity, was like immediately, you know copies were seized and it was burned and everything like that and and they thought they burned all of them and like only something like four copies survived or something like that um and i don't know i i i feel like i knew this at one point but i can't remember off the top of my head right now um if if that text survived like has been translated into english or Mm. if we have the complete text or if we only have fragments i'm pretty sure we do have um the full text, but I, like I said, I don't know if it's been translated or if it's still just in Latin or or whatever. But um, that could be that could be a fun read. I yeah, bet. for sure. I, I don't know. Like, I, I bet it would be really interesting. Well, to... it's got me wondering. Like, are are there people today that almost see Servetus as a martyr as opposed to a heretic? You know, we're talking about somebody who was burned at the stake. And if if people have been around our podcast for a while, you'll know that quite a few months ago we had Martyr Month. I think it was Martyr May, uh, where we spent the entire month talking about Christian martyrs. So we talked about people who, who died for their faith, many of whom were burned or uh, drowned uh, for their faith. And so I, I, I'm just like literally thinking about this. I, I didn't do any research into Servetus myself, but curious to yeah, know, well, does he have a following? People that picture him in a 
uh, you know, in a, a heroic light as opposed to the, the villainous light? Yeah, well, while I was, one of the one of the, the things I found was the website of the Michael Servetus Unitarian Society, which is a, a Unitarian Universalist group, organization, um, that he is sort of their, their patron. Wow, um, interesting. So, so and, and, you know, he, I, I think that's a little bit, a little bit of like a um, kind of looking back and f- finding in because uh, you know the the Unitarians didn't exist in right, right, right. the 1550s, but um, he you know his his main sort of uh, like stand was against the Trinity. Um, you know he he posited what we might in more maybe more modern terms call a you know a Unitarian version of of Christianity. Hmm. Um, so, so I, I, so I do think that that it kind of makes sense, um, you know, like particularly um, not just traditional like classical like seventeen hundreds universalism, but like uni, uni, I mean uh, Unitarianism, but Unitarian Universalism, right. that you know denomination or, or religious group, whatever we want to call them, like like I can I easily see him, you know, he's not Trinitarian, he's sort of an easy figure to look at as, you know, religious freedom kind of from, from like a religious freedom perspective, like, Oh, you know, he, he is a martyr for his beliefs. Like it doesn't necessarily matter if you agree with him or not. Like, you know, he, he was living at a time where, like I said, it was a capital offense to deny the Trinity. So like, if you don't think that's such a good thing, (laughs) someone standing up, you know, and committing to stand up for decades and eventually being uh, executed for it. Uh, I, I could see why for a certain kind of person, um, a certain kind of, of belief system, he would be a really appealing figure. And I think that also speaks to the way that he really stands out mm. <laughs> is that um, he, he is a fairly well-known name, yeah, you know, and sure. that's just not really the case for a lot of people heretic or not heretic you know from this the 16th century uh, you know in in the theology world if you're not someone who's interested in that and studying it like there's a lot of names you're probably not going to hear about um and and maybe you know i mean i guess maybe Servetus is is still kind of you have to be interested but the point is he's he's definitely got quite a a, a sort of a, an aura about him, I think, hmm. that comes from that. This kind of speaks to like his personality. Yeah, <laughs> to, well, to to do the things he did. Yeah, and honestly, it wouldn't be Heresy Month if one of us didn't think of like, oh, I have a thought that would make an entire episode's worth of content. Uh, but I, I had the thought of you know, so like I just mentioned moments ago, we had we had a month where we talked about martyrs, typically. Not always, but a good chunk of the time, the martyrs were put to death by, like, secular society, whether it was people or, you know, rulers and authorities. Uh, But I have this, like, interesting, like you mentioned even, too, during this episode, this, like, discomfort or um, uncertainty when we talk about, like, you know, was John Calvin in the right or wrong for putting Servetus to death? Like, what I'm trying to communicate is, like, what do we think about Christians who put other Christians to death? Uh, like what, what, you know, what about, you know, treat others the way that you want to be treated unless they're a heretic 
or um, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, uh, turn the other cheek. I, 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 again, this is we we should probably maybe devote an entire episode to that idea. Um, but I mean, and I'll be full disclosure: I have a tattoo of John Calvin on my arm. Um, so, like, I, I'm somewhat invested in this conversation, and it's not going to necessarily change, like, I mean, C- Calvinism and uh, Reformed theology is, I think, distinct from Calvin enough. Like, I, it's not that I worship Calvin or anything. Um, it was more, when I got the tattoo, it was a, um, a piece of, you know, my theological Christian life that was, like, symbolic of like I, I felt like that this tattoo was like my way of representing reformed theology more broadly. So like if we if 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 history determines that like Calvin is not a good dude, um, like I'm fine with that and we'll be I'll continue living as I've always lived. But um, anyway, now I'm just rambling. Uh, is there anything else that you want to say about Michael Servetus, or are we good to to call it a month? I think we're gonna call it a month. Man, the what a month it's been. Heresy month. Man, if you liked this month, if you enjoyed talking, or I guess listening, well, maybe you talked to friends, I don't know, but if you enjoyed uh, learning a lot about heresy, if you enjoyed hearing the life and times of different heretics, let us know. Uh, hit us up on email, hit us up on Twitter, uh, because we, 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 we value your feedback, we want to improve, uh, but we also want to prepare for next October already. So uh, we want to say thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to any episode. This has been a great month, uh, not just because the content has been interesting, but you guys have tuned in this month more than any other month in the history of the Doxology podcast. Uh, I feel like a broken record, but you guys keep breaking the records, so... Uh, thank you for that pun intended. That was that was kind of cool. Uh, if you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter at Doxology Podcast, or you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, a reminder, we're not on Instagram right now. We might be back someday. So if you're following us over there, maybe go over to Twitter and give us a follow. Uh, send us your, uh, your feedback, your questions, episode ideas. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, make sure you go check out the link in our Twitter bio. We have t-shirts for sale. Uh, remember, guys, remember, be nice and try to be nice-seen, unlike Michael Cervatus. Peace. Peace.